0: We're continuing in our series uh, this week, Made for More, reading 2 Timothy, a book in the New Testament, and seeing what that has to teach us about living this life with Jesus. And we're gonna start on a very serious note with the popcorn. This is my popcorn jar. I've had it for 18 years. It was a wedding present, this jar, and it's always had popcorn in it. You know how things you get, you just put the same thing? It's my popcorn jar. I loved making popcorn as a kid. So saucepan, bit of oil, cover the base with the popcorn, let it heat up. For some reason, you always wait till the first pop happens before you put the lid on. Do other people do that? Always do, I don't know why. It usually pops out, but you still wait, lid on, and then you watch it all happen, it's so exciting. So much anticipation about the popcorn. Your house gets filled with a popcorn smell. You add the salt, some icing sugar, and you eat it, it's delicious. When I was about seven, my mum came home with a box, put it on the bench, it was a microwave. And then we started having microwave popcorn. I'm not gonna open it. Five minutes, into the microwave, out, so easy. Shortcut, great shortcut for the popcorn. Now, let's go to the supermarket. You just buy it, popped, (laughs) ready to go, has salt and icing sugar on it already. You just eat it, shortcut, so quick. We love shortcuts, do we not? Love them. You can go to Alps and Amici, down in East Launceston. You can buy a gourmet meal prepared by one of Launceston's best chefs. You take it home, you heat it up. It's a shortcut, it's great. But you miss out on something, don't you? You miss out on the process. (laughs) Royce is saying no. You miss out on the process when you take shortcuts and sometimes the shortcuts are really great but you do miss out sometimes you miss out on the flavor sometimes you miss out on enjoying the process and in life we like to take shortcuts but sometimes when we do we miss out on the preparation that happens but waiting and work is hard and we try to avoid it if we can try to avoid the waiting and the working but We find in the Bible, there are so many examples of people that had to work and wait. Joseph had to wait 15 years from when he was sold as a slave by his brothers to when he became Pharaoh's second in charge. Abraham, 25 years between the promise of a son and the son. Moses, 40 years in the desert wandering around. Jesus, 30 years of preparation until he started his ministry. Paul, 14 years between when he was converted on the road to Damascus to when he did his first missionary journey to Antioch, 14 years of being discipled by Barnabas, by being a disciple of Jesus, by learning, by studying, by practicing, all that preparation for what was to come. Timothy was in a mode of preparation when Paul is writing these letters to him. He's a church leader already, so stuff has happened, but Paul knows there's things to come that he has to be prepared for, tough things like Steve spoke about last week, being prepared for the evil in the world and false teachers that were going to come and wreck his church. He had to prepare for those, not easy things, hard things. So we're going to start by reading the uh, two verses in chapter four that we're going to focus in on today. They'll be on the screen. Let's read. So, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that first verse, if we go back to the first verse, it seems a little odd. So last week, Steve spoke about being prepared for evil, and then Paul goes on and finishes that chapter talking about Scripture, the Bible, how it's so helpful and, uh, for doing all the things we need in life. And then he sort of, Paul goes heavenward, if you notice, and he says, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, he goes straight to the top. These are the people that we're doing this for. And then he says, who will judge the living and the dead. Is that not an odd phrase to just pop into a letter? The living and the dead. I think he's trying to mean everybody. So in 2017, we would go every dot, single dot, person dot. He's saying all those who have died, all those who are living and will come, the most inclusive way of saying everyone who will judge the living and the dead. Now, I'm aware that people will listen to this message tomorrow, maybe next week online. They will judge. I'm aware of that. There are consequences. Maybe negative, hopefully some positive. But when you're doing something serious and there's judgment ahead, you're a little more aware of the consequences, yes? And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, wow, wow, Jesus has come to earth, he's appeared to people, but we know there's a second appearance where he comes with his kingdom and reigns on earth as king. I give you this charge. So Paul is preparing for what he's going to say next. He's got a big audience, God and Christ Jesus. He's talking about judging and consequences, the living and the dead, everybody. And in view of his appearing and kingdom, in view of what is to come, So that says to me, okay, this is quite important. He's setting it up for what's going to come. So what does he say next? Preach the word. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season to do these things, correct, rebuke, encourage, and do it with great patience and careful instruction. In season and out of season. I think of apples, I don't know why. I'm not going to talk any more about apples, but that's just what comes to mind. Apples. I think he means when it's convenient or not convenient. When you're on holiday or when you're at work. When you're in your career, when you're retired. When you're pregnant, when you have children. When you're working for the church, when you're working mowing lawns. In season and out of season, whenever. Again, it's very inclusive, this, this statement. All the time, I think Paul is trying to say. All the time. So, preach the word. And a lot of you right now are going, whew, I can switch off now. You're talking about preaching. I'm not a preacher. Don't work at church. Not even a public speaker. Good to go. Do you want some popcorn while you listen? let everyone else listen? no, no that's not it. We're going to go back to a verse that Jesus spoke that we hear often at Door of Hope. Matthew 28. And it says, then Jesus came to them all and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I'll be with you always to the very end. Teaching, and you say, actually, no, Christy. You said preaching before. I might teach, but I don't have to preach. Well, no again. Teaching and preaching are really, in essence, the same thing. In the Gospels, uh, when you compare stories or parables in the Gospels, some of them use the word preaching. Some of them use the word teaching. Teaching. Paul uses both, sometimes in the same sentence, sometimes in reverse order. They're the same thing. And I feel confident in saying to you when Paul says preach the word to Timothy, he's meaning the same thing that Jesus said when he said teaching them everything I have commanded you. No popcorn for anyone. We're all called to preach the word, all of us. So I'm gonna ask you two questions today. What does that look like for me, for you, to preach the word? And why do I have to preach? Give me a why, Christy. Tell me why I can't go to sleep or eat popcorn for the rest of the sermon. Okay, I will. So what does it look like for me? You say I'm not a church pastor. I don't even like getting up on a stage and speaking. I'm not going to be a preacher of the word. Well, let me say that most preaching doesn't look like this it doesn't look like Sunday morning standing on a stage with a microphone it looks more like having a conversation it looks more like what Jesus did with his disciples teaching them speaking to them letting them learn from him apprenticing them it looked more like that And it looks like what you are made to be like. Do you remember Grace a few weeks ago in Made For More had all the people up on the stage with their signs of their spiritual gifts? We preach the word in the way God made us, in the way he's gifted us, in our shape, our spiritual gifts, our hearts' desires, our abilities, our personalities, our experience. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Are you a creative person? Are you analytical? Are you a public speaker, like me, or are you someone who likes to just talk to one person at a time? That's how he's made you, that's how he's prepared you, that's how he wants you to preach his word. It all depends on how you are made, how you are shaped. All of these things input into how you will share Jesus with other people. How do you prepare for that? Well, like Timothy, you get a good mentor and you say, teach me. You learn from them. You imitate them. Jesus showed us how to do that in the New Testament, in the Gospels. He brought a group of people around, 12 most of the time, but sometimes just the three, and he taught them. They apprenticed to him, and he showed them what it looked like to share who he was with the people around him. Paul models it In our book of Timothy that we're reading, in Timothy 1 and 2, he's a mentor, he's giving instruction, and Timothy is learning, he's being prepared as he goes along. My story, I grew up in Western Queensland, about the most monocultural place you could find in Australia, still today, I would hazard a guess. Never would I have thought that I would now be a missionary sent from Door of Hope to Worldview Center for Intercultural Studies. Not in a million years, but now that I look back, I see the way that I prepared, but also God prepared me. So I've always been a public speaker. Crazy, I know, crazy. I've always enjoyed this. And for you that don't like public speaking, I know you can't believe that, but it's true. I quite enjoy it. I moved to Tasmania, of all places. I married a missionary kid. I became a nurse, I worked at a building company, I travelled to Fiji and heart plunges to Spain and to China, and I had great mentors, Marguerite and Graham and Steve and Karen and Andrew and Anne and Sandy. All through my life there's been people speaking into my life, intentionally, preparing me to do what God has asked me to do. And now, when I add all that up, I see the preparation that I've gone through. Jobs I didn't like, seasons I did not enjoy, things that were hard, times of waiting and unknowing, and yet they've all come together to be in this place right now. That was the first question, why, how should I prepare? Second question, why should I preach the word? Why should I share Jesus? with other people why should I not just tune out now we need to look to the end game what's at the end further on in chapter 4 in Timothy uh, Paul says these words in verse 8 now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award me on that day not only me but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The end goal is that we will be in heaven with Jesus and there'll be a reward. Awesome. And for all the people that have looked forward to his appearing, that have joined in the work, there will be a reward for what we're doing. That's an awesome end game. But what about for those who have never heard the name of Jesus? Our vision at Door of Hope is to be a door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile and uncertain world, to reach Launceston, to let them know who Jesus is, that we can have hope and abundance in him, that this world that is so sometimes catastrophic can be more because of who he is. But even further than that, when we go to Revelation and the disciple John has a vision of the end game, this is what we read. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, every tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, that's Jesus. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb, all the angels were standing around and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever, amen. That's the end game where God is glorified, where there are people praising him for eternity because he deserves it. Amazing. Every nation, every tribe, every language were there. Can you imagine something for me in the next 10 seconds? Imagine what Launceston would look like. There were no Churches in Launceston. No Christians in Launceston, not even one. No Bible in Launceston. What would that look like? It would look like a UPG. What's a UPG? Oh, Ben, I'm glad you asked. What's a UPG? I have a video to explain it. Have a look on the screen.
1: What is a UPG? (laughs) UPG stands for Unreached People Group. But to understand what that means, we need to first talk about people groups. When Jesus told his followers, go and make disciples of all nations, the Greek words he used were ta ethne, meaning all ethnic groups or people groups. So what is a people group? A people group is basically a group of individuals that have a common sense of history, language, beliefs, and identity. It is pretty much a group of people that considers us, us, and everyone else, them. While there are about 196 countries in the world today, there are over 16,000 distinct people groups. Let's look at Pakistan as an example. That is one nation going by our English word, but ethnically Pakistan has over 400 distinct nations, or people groups, within its borders. Around 7,000 of those 16,000 total people groups are considered UPGs, or unreached people groups. A group is considered unreached if less than 2% of their population is evangelical Christian. That is, it has too few true believers to evangelize and disciple the rest of the people group. Almost 3 billion people fall into this category. Over 3,000 of those 7,000 unreached people groups are considered UUPGs, or unengaged unreached people groups. These people groups have no churches, no believers, no missionaries, and no one actively focused on engaging them. 95% of all unreached people groups are located in the part of the world between 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees latitude stretching from North Africa to Southeast Asia. We call this the 1040 window. It's in the 1040 window that most of the major non-Christian religions hold sway. Collectively, they are known as the Thumb People, Tribal, Hindu, unreligious, including many Chinese, Muslim, and Buddhist. Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom would be preached as a testimony to ta ethne, all people groups, and then the end would come. Less than 3% of our total cross-cultural missionary force is working with unreached people groups. We must go to the unreached.
0: There you go. Now you know what a UPG is. So it's time for some audience participation. I need 10 people to come up here with me. You don't have to do anything drastic, but 10. Beck, Carmel, come on, guys, come up, 10. Just come, 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 come. One, two, three, four, five, six. Tony and Royce, come up, six, seven, we've got 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One more. Run, Kyron, 10. OK, this is the world, yes? Okay, these are our seven billion people, all here, okay? Now, I want three of you to go over and stand over there. So you first three people, you are Group C, up on the stage and over in that far area. So, if this is our world, 33% of our world, we would class as Group C, as Christian. Living in Christian nations, Maybe they've been to church all their life. Maybe their parents were Christians. Most of them are nominal Christians. They may not follow Jesus, but they call themselves Christians. 33% group C. Four of these people, so around 38%, we'll call you group B. You can just step up behind me there. Group B. These aren't Christian people. But they may live close to a church. They may know Christians. They've probably got Bibles in their language, multiple Bibles and versions. They can chat to a Christian if they want. Um, They have access to knowing who Jesus was. This is group B. The rest of you, 29%, you can be group A if you want to go stand over there. Group A are our UPGs, no access to Jesus, No churches, no Christians, not even a Bible to read in their language. No opportunity to hear who Jesus is. Now, I need 10 more people. Come, you're the missionaries. Okay, 10. Got to come quickly. Can stand down here with me. 10. Awesome, you're doing very well. I love the participation. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. One more. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Come on, Andrew. Okay, now, this is an opportunity for me to say, Bev Voss is here! <laughs> Welcome, and Clifton. Clifton from India, Bev from Cairns. It's awesome to have them at Door of Hope this morning. Okay, 400,000 cross-cultural missionaries in our world today. That sounds like a lot. It is a lot. 400,000. Okay, here's the clincher. Seven of you... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of you are being sent and are currently with Group C, the Christian group. Off oh, you go up there, go stand with them. You can be missionaries. Most of our cross cultural ministries are going to this part of the world, Group C. 25%. Now I can't. Oh, one more. You are a missionary too, too. I can't break you in bits, okay? So, um, Bev, you stay there. The other two, 29, is it 29? 25% are to group B. So come up here, you're missionaries to this group. They don't know Jesus. It's good there's at least two going, okay? That leaves just Bev. But not even just Bev, like a third of Bev. We should send the top down so she can preach the word. But if you go up to group A... Bev, that's how it looks. Is that an interesting picture? Most of our cross-cultural missionaries are over here in Group C. Some of them are in Group B, just the top half of Bev, <laughs> with Group A. This seems a little wrong. Let's talk about money. $700 billion a year given to Christian charity work in the world. $700 billion. $46 billion of that is to unreached, sorry, is to cross-cultural missionaries to these guys, the 400,000, 46 billion of that. 87% of that goes over there where all the missionaries are to Group C, people that have access to churches, to Christians, to Bibles. 1% of that money goes over here, 1%. That is less... Then the USA spends on Halloween costumes per year for their pets. <laughs> it's funny, but it's devastating. Devastating. That's how much money we spend on UPGs. Preach the word and be prepared. They've never heard about Jesus. They have no opportunity to, none. Until Bev goes. Thank you, guys. Thank you, volunteers. Thank you, world. How do we do it in Launceston? Invite your friends to church. We give you so many opportunities to invite your friends. Have a conversation with them about why Jesus in your life is a good thing. That's preaching the word. Be joyous in hard times. Boy, that makes an impact. When I see people in this congregation going through horrific chemo, saying God is good and he is my hope, that speaks louder than my preaching, let me tell you. Be a great friend. Be a great, authentic, worthwhile friend. That's preaching the word. Maybe going for you means uh, signing up to the shape course or the intentional living course where you can find out how God has made you and you can start connecting with that. Sign up for a life solutions course. Maybe you need to look at who you really are and maybe prepare your heart for what's to come. Maybe God wants to do that in you. Maybe you need to set up a mentoring relationship, someone that you look up to, that can speak intentionally into your life, your Paul. Maybe you need to develop that. If you you have no idea how to do that, come and see me. See Sandy Hart, see Steve, see Ben. Ask them, who can be my mentor? Maybe God is preparing you to preach somewhere else. Maybe he's asking you to go and work cross-culturally, like Clifton, in India, like Bev. Tell you what, Bev and her husband, Luke, have done some preparation. My goodness. A nursing degree, midwifery degree, a long time learning to be an infectious disease specialist, moving to Cairns, moving to Brisbane, moving back to Cairns, having three children, finding a mission agency, planning to go to Africa to reach a UPG. That's what they're doing. God has called them, they have prepared really, really, really well. I'm so excited for them. Maybe God is asking you to go. Maybe he's been asking you to go for a really long time. What does that look like? How do you prepare for that? Maybe you need to join our missionary prayer time that happens once a month at Door of Hope after our service. You could talk to Di Layla or Joy Harris about that. Maybe you go on a heart plunge. Maybe you go and visit Clifton's um, GSAM in India next year in September, October. Maybe you do that. Maybe you talk to Karen FitzAllen or Mel Coombs about joining that team. Maybe it means coming to talk to me about studying at Worldview. Learning about being a cross-cultural minister, about going and using your gifts the way God has made you to preach to people that have no opportunity to hear him. I have a friend named Mirna. She's serving in East Timor. She's from Brazil. There are people in a Bible school in East Timor learning to be missionaries, having to learn another language because the Bible is not in theirs. Man, isn't that preparing the hard way, having to learn a language to read the Bible? They know Jesus. They love him but they are working so hard to be able to go. We are made for more and we are made for others. God made us for others so that we can see that end game. Revelation, that's where we will be one day, in heaven, when we follow Jesus. How do we do that? By being a disciple and discipling others. That's how we do it. That's how we preach the word, all of us, together. As Door of Hope, as individuals, in Launceston, in Australia, in Uganda, in India, in Burundi, wherever God calls you to be, through Jesus. We celebrate him every week at Door of Hope, every week. We come around a communion table and we say, you did what was necessary to rescue this world and we are so thankful. You died on a cross You rose again, and you are so interested in us that you prepare us from the moment we are born, before we are born, you're preparing us to join you in heaven, to praise you for eternity. And we celebrate that through having communion. We take a little glass of juice, a little piece of biscuit, we eat, we drink together as family, and we say thank you for what you did, and we celebrate that we get to live this life with you an abundant life and we get to share it with others we're going to do that now as the servers come i'm going to pray but also uh, the team are going to sing um a song we're going to sing it next it's called hosanna and the songs you've been singing today there's these little glimpses of our king of glory that we will get to be with him in eternity and this song captures that so beautifully this is the end game this is what we're working towards this is the why that Paul gave to Timothy. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you that your scriptures give us so many examples of who you are and the amazing way you work in our lives. Thank you for the example of Jesus, that he taught his disciples so they could imitate him, so that we could imitate you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for us, for being resurrected and for promising that you will return with your kingdom and you will reign on this earth with us. And Lord, as we take this cup of juice, this piece of bread, Lord, would you help us remember who you are and put joy in our hearts that we may celebrate that we get to serve you for the rest of our lives. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are a good God. In your name, amen.